0: The Backdoor GA podcast for 2023 is now brought to you by Steve Motor Group. For your personalised vehicle shopping experience, visit stevemotorgroup.ie. We are now delighted to announce our second sponsor of the podcast. Harper Finley, our professional service recruitment company operating nationwide and are dedicated to helping people find their dream job. So, joined now by former Galway senior footballer Barry Cugnan and former Galway senior football analyst Stephen O'Meara to look back at Galway's victory over Tyrone at the weekend on a scoreline of 16 points to 13, where Galway won out their first game in the All-Ireland series and now faced uh, Westmead in round two on the third June. That game taking place in Cusack Park in Mullongar at five o'clock. Just before we do get into the chat, if you haven't already, um, It'd be greatly appreciated if anyone can subscribe to this channel. It helps uh, us grow and there's been significant numbers uh, during the podcast over the last few weeks. So that'll definitely help. Stephen, just c- coming to you first, um, I did mention here, former Goa senior football um, analyst um, under Kevin Walsh. Um, I suppose, just before we do get into did you did you enjoy working with Goa? Oh, yeah, it was great times, I suppose. It was, I was
1: sort of catapulted into the inter-county scene. Um, so it was a great experience, you know. It was a good bunch of lads. Uh, yeah, definitely enjoyed it, you know. Now, I was working remotely, I mean, it was not matches. I wasn't on the training ground. Um, I went over to matches we work during the week. But no, definitely, too. Suppose, certainly since 2018 was, you know, it was, uh, was great, you know, going in sort of odds-on favourites with the bookies, get relegated from the league, and... Then go clean sweep to the league finals. So well, that was a great year, obviously. Um, every, everybody's happy with your winner, but no, on the whole yeah it was I, don't, I don't, had good times in Galway.
0: How did that um, opportunity come
1: about uh, for you? Uh, I was running a website. I took over a website that had stopped in Dublin uh, grassroots GA. A kind of unique site, and that it, it reported on the Dublin club scene and quite in-depth uh, and I took that over and from the back of that, uh, Sports Joe picked me up and got me doing a f- some articles, a, a, a weekly piece in 2017 um, and actually the Galway Hurlers got me to do a little bit of sort of a, I a secondary analysis, probably late in seventeen, going to the all Hurl semi-final and from that, because they had an analysis team in place, uh. A very effective one. They recommended to the footballers, so I, I haven't done just sort of two bits of the secondary kind of analysis for the hurlers. In uh, seventeen, I went in as the as the analyst for the footballers. Into eighteen, there was um fin link there as well between Dave Morris and Brian Silk. So that's how the the connection was made. Um, what were you uh,
0: mainly doing? with The goal of senior footballers, just if people who are listen and aren't
1: really aware of technically what a football analyst is, yeah, look, I suppose I, I, suppose everyone does something different, so maybe mine is slightly more unique. I've kind of got a, an actuarial type, sit, money ball type software system that calculates it all, and sort of maybe unseen things through numbers and whatnot. That'll be one part. I'd obviously be a coach as well, um, so I would have done a lot of videos as well basically look at the game now look pardon me back to the numbers like if you weren't scoring off a certain situation that was coming through the numbers you'd, you'd tear that apart then to have a, a closer look or sometimes just a naked eye you look and see if that doesn't look like it's working um let's you know here's a video and where it didn't work or whatnot and look sometimes sometimes you'd have a you know you'd see i to you was with management and coaching sometimes you wouldn't i mean it, it got filtered Certainly. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a good bit of commentated videos, a lot of raw data with a, with a lot of numbers behind it. But I suppose the key thing, I wouldn't say 100%, but broadly speaking, any video I suppose would have done would have had data to back up the, the parameter of whether
2: you know, it was a, a, a positive or a negative, maybe.
0: What's your view on stats,
2: <laughs> and They're very important. Um... I think they're a little bit like sports psychology, you know it it's you either buy into it or you don't. And I think from, from my understanding of, or from from what I was hearing, you know, Kevin Kevin really did and I'd say Kevin was good to work with and that he, you know, I think Kevin put a huge amount of work into analysing both Galway and their opponents himself. I think he you know, Kevin spent night and day on Huddle looking at looking at videos. So I would imagine he was delighted to have you know, an outside set of eyes like Stephen as well, just to either back up what he his thinking is, or or give him an alternative viewpoint. So I think they're they're really really important. And um, sometimes there's a bit of you know paralysis by analysis. Um, I didn't come up with that one there. Now I've heard it, I've heard that before. Um, you know, I, like I think Pauly put it very well after the Roscommon Common game. I'm not sure who put it to him about you know cutting down on Roscommon scores from from turnovers that they had against Mayo. And I think Parik, in typical Parik fashion, threw it back and said, well, they, they have to come from someplace. They can't just fall from the sky. You know, so there's, there's a good bit of that in it as well. Um, but I definitely think there has to, you know, if you can get the balance right between not being over um, overly... <sighs> I suppose consumed by the stats and the the video analysis, and you have a really good gut. I think that's really important. And again, like sports psychology, I'd reference that with S and C as well. You know that that yeah, it has all of the sports science is really really important, but it, there also has to be an experience piece and a good piece as well. So that balance between everything is what gets the successful teams. I think if you have a team that has a brilliant analysis and a brilliant stats team. Poor S and C or poor coaching aspect, you're not going anywhere like like that. If you have a brilliant coach, but they just don't see some of the smaller nitty gritty bits, you know that's probably not going to work either. So I think finding the right balance and having good people, um, I think we'll all be quoting Ronan O'Gara when he talked about um, getting good people in the building and building their competencies. After that, I think if you have good people on your team, you know that's that's probably the most important, um. And then good data after that is probably right up there as well.
0: Before we do get into the game there's Stephen, something I wanted to ask you, you often know, hear GA traditionalists when people do bring in a stats team and even here at a club level, oh, there's too much stats. Players are playing with fear. They're, the managers are just feeding them with stats. How do you feel when you hear that?
1: To be honest, it doesn't really put me up or down because like... Not unlike what Barry is saying, there like stats. It's it's like asking: Is the internet good? You know, you could you could go in there and give yourself an a, an unwritten degree in philosophy, or you could go in and look at nonsense videos, entertain yourself, and everything in between. Like there's good there's good stats, and there's well uh, they're not bad stats as long as it's not false. But there's there's useful stats, and there's useless stats, and there's counterproductive stats. So. I don't really, it doesn't put me up or down. Again, I, I'd emphasise I was a, I, I was a coach for years. and still am a coach. And I got into analysis. and I suppose I got into the stats side of the analysis. Which are two different things kind of related. But to give evidence to ideas I had and try to quantify them. You know, I don't, I've, I've seen some really bad stats and some really counter-intuitive or counter productive analysis out there um, and look there's not really look there's a uh, crow park has a grading system for it but there's not really a form of qualification that's required so i mean anybody can go into it i mean and to compare it with medicine any quack can go into it as well as for a manager to decide whether they think there's value or benefit and like anything some have significant value. Maybe a few out there have superb value a lot, probably. Bad enough maybe have no value. Some, I would definitely, I've would seen counterproductive analysis. Um, so I suppose my answer, is: someone ever said that to me, no one ever has. Uh, not directly <laughs> accused me anyway. But if they did, you know, I would like to take the whole point of how I do what I do. I could give evidence-based data to show that, well, actually... What I'm saying isn't an opinion; it's a matter of measurement, and this has been measured and quantified. Obviously, there's grey areas in a lot of these quantifications, um. But yeah, look, it's 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 a broad spectrum, and look, I wouldn't argue with people who reckon some of it is load of baloney because it is. Um, (laughs) if people think that (laughs) about mine, full power to them. I I I try and talk them out of it if they listen to me.
0: Yeah, no, they definitely have had an impact and it. it's it's a broad discussion. Um you, you, you could go on about different things associated with it all day. But with that go away Tyrone game, Barry, you're on duty with Goa Day at the weekend. Watching myself through GA Go, Goy win out on a final score line of sixteen points to thirteen in Pierce Stadium. Remarkably they played in the league, Gaway bet Tyrone sixteen points to thirteen as well. The conditions were nearly similar as they were in the league, but Conditions definitely did have an impact in this game, if you look at even the mayo Carey game before
2: that. Yeah, absolutely. And and not for the first time, I got to Pear Stadium, or, or arrived at a stadium, and went either way of bring my jacket or don't bring my jacket. The sun was shining. I said, "Geez, do you know what? I'll leave the jacket in the car. And it was about two minutes on the walk to Pear Stadium, and the heavens opened, and it didn't really stop. It didn't really stop after that. Um, and it had a big, a big impact on the pitch or on, on the game. You know, not in, not as much, like the handling was still very good. You know, uh, people didn't lose their footing a huge amount. The pitch was in, a, in excellent condition. Um, but a bit like golf, you know, if the ball is wet and heavy, um, it just doesn't travel as far. So you were kind of relying on bringing the ball in that little bit closer to try and get some of your kicks off. That played into not not just tyrone's hand but it played into gawa's hands as well and that they they defend that thirty thirty meter kind of radius of the goal very very well and just with the conditions to try and get a shot off from forty five forty meters was was very very difficult which which led to um you know i suppose a lot of Play around that 30 meter zone for both for both teams. Now it also led to some good scores because they both had to work really, really hard. They had to work hard to get people into position. And then Galway and Tyrone, when they did get them chances, they converted, particularly the like Darren McCurry and stuff. So, um, yeah, it, conditions didn't. I, I still, to be honest, I still enjoyed the game. I've heard a f- bit of feedback saying that it wasn't the best game in the world, but I thought for, for what it was and how difficult it was to play, in, I thought the actual standard was very good. Um, I thought Galway's. Um, shot selection was good I thought their decision making was good and just a little bit disappointed in Tyrone and some of the things that they did um, you know and I'll give you an example and we'll go into more detail you know th- when they did work the ball and were patient they got guys into good scoring positions and they actually converted them and then they had three maybe four really poor decisions so one that stands out in my head was they went over and back you know like modern inter-county inter- football or you know back and over the pitch, um, recycled the ball. And then I think on the third occasion where maybe it was a little bit of frustration, Pori Campsley, who was, you know, left cornerback, came up the pitch and had a snapshot with the outside of his right from about 40 metres. And, like, you know, the chances of getting it were just, you know, they were slim and none. And that sort of stuff, I suppose, is stuff that will frustrate Brian Dewar Dewar and Fergal Logan. And... um, and, and, and the Tyrone players as well. But overall, like I, I enjoyed it. thought it was a decent game. I thought Galway managed the conditions and managed the game very well. 16-13, two points on the board. They'll be happy enough with that.
0: Just, just before I do um, Stephen back in here, Barry, there's a lot of expectation with this goal group at the minute that they're being talked about for a lot of people as serious All-Ireland contenders. Was this very much a game where an obstacle was thrown in front of Galway again and they overcame
2: it? Yeah, they won. (laughs) You know, like, I've had these conversations, and and there's there's expectations on this Galway team because they are genuine All-Ireland contenders. And to me, the All-Ireland winner is going to come from Kerry, maybe, Dublin, Galway or Mayo. I think all of those four teams. No one else. People that say Derry, Armagh. I can't see it. I think it'll come from those four teams. Um, so that means that Galway are genuine all-Ireland contenders. Um, if uh, so, there is a level of expectation, and, and when we go to games, we expect Galway to be absolutely unbelievable every day. And that's just the nature of the beast, and that's just the nature of a supporter. We want a hundred miles an hour. We want Mayo, Kerry every day. We go to, every day. We go to a game. Whereas if Porek Joyce was on this pod- podcast with you and me and Stephen and we said, oh, you know, Galway we weren't great, maybe not hitting the heights that we'd hoped, he'd turn around and he'd say, well, we got to a National League final in that competition, you know, what more do you want? Okay, we would have liked to have gone on and win it. We went into the Connacht Championship, we won that. What more do you want? We've gone into the first round of the, of the qualifiers of the group stages of the All-Ireland Championships. We've won that. What more do you want? So I think we just need to manage expectations in terms of what happens every day. Granted, we can have expectations and lofty expectations of where we go in terms of the All-Ireland Championship, but just in terms of judging every half of football, every game of football, about where and need to be, we just need to probably taper that slightly.
0: What's standing out for you, Stephen, from that goal performance at the weekend?
1: Um, Not massively different to Barry, really, in the sense that fully I still have a perception that the vast majority of Galway still favour this sort of traditional romantic style. I want to be kicking 40-yard past a 40-yard pass to 45-yard point shot. Uh, so I'm slightly surprised to hear Barry kind of saying what, what, what I had in mind, which is the fact that, like, it's it, even notwithstanding the fact that it was brutal brutal conditions um, you know it was it was a patient game I mean I said it you know I, I, I
2: was only saying it here
1: earlier I think uh, in terms of the styles and again I agree I agree entirely with Barry Something I would have felt that I, I would have worked with Donegal for two years as well um, after Galway and I always would have said to the Donegal boys if you hold and this is, this is ironically actually is that I think Galway play more Ulster-like than Tyrone do. Uh, I think there's a misperception that I think Tyrone are an outlier in Ulster. Uh, and I think Galway's style now fits perfectly into the Ulster mold. Um, and I always would have said to the Dudley if you hold Tyrone out long enough, they'll start hitting city shots. And I'd agree 100% with Barry. And look, 15 v 14, it's very hard in, you know, in a top-tier match. To withstand that, never mind 13 v 15 for for 10 minutes and the physical toll that takes on you for the rest of the game. So, look, Thoreau were looking for a minor miracle uh, and I thought it exceptionally well to be so close with five, six minutes left. But like that, it was that phase. It was the second one as well. They they tried a ropey pass. So, in that regard, as well as Thoreau did down the men, um, they did shoot themselves in the foot. Interestingly, as well, the stats I was looking at, I, I took the first 18 minutes. Um, and those would be again like again bear in mind if you go back a few years ago the average phases of possession turned into scores points a uh, total was 3.3 uh, points per 10 phases. the national League division One this year was four and now I suspect that by the time we've got more dry day championship analysis that could be gone up to maybe 4.5 um, but like Galway in the first, 18 minutes before the red card had 10 phases and they got shots off on eight with six points for 10 phases. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's no style of football is going to champion that, you know, that's, that's off the charts kind of stuff. Now, look, as I say, off the charts, it's becoming more common, that sort of scoring. You know, Derry, that would not be unusual with uh, Dublin on their good days. Um, But that, you know, it's an exceptional first 18 minutes that I would point out of the two, the two that they didn't get shots off were, you know, for me, absolutely inaccurate uh, readings of the situation with David Goff. He gave what I would call natural runs after you had passed the ball. He called them obstructions. I'm okay into that one. <laughs> I've been on page already today. But, you know, Galway were at seven, Galway were actually at seven seven shots from seven phases and expected uh, uh, an expected score of 6.6. For 10. So look, that style it 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 suits it it suits Galway. Uh, it has suited Galway. Again, look, I went in at eighteen. A lot of my analysis probably moved it towards that style. Uh, I mean, one key one key piece that it just seems like light years away, and we won't go to names, But there were a number of key players that I I went back at the game in 17, 2017. Uh, there were a number of marquee players, and their stats were reading for every two line breaks or scores they had they had three turnovers or wides. And I'd have a one-to-one ratio there as a red flag. Um, And that was something that was more or less instantly reeled in because lads got the data. I'm looking at that now, looking at the there last week. It's unthinkable that that would be common practice. And if one guy did have stats like that, they'd probably jump out. Uh, Whether those stats are retaken or not, I don't know. But if somebody was kicking three balls away, to make two sort of line breaking passes, it would now stick out a mile. Um, certainly, would to me, but I think it would even to you know anybody mm-hmm. watching on the stand. So that style, it's it, it suited. I think it suits. I think it suits most teams. Mm-hmm. Um, it suits Galway. It, 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 it worked for Galway at eighteen. They went away from it for two years. It didn't work. They're back to it. Uh, so it, that is the modern Galway. Uh, and as I say, look, they they did fine. It, it's hard to measure the second half, in fact, the second two-thirds of the game, uh, they did what they had to do. Uh, Ironically, well, there is a reason for it. I say ironically, they got less scores per phase uh, with the extra man than uh, at 15v15. I put that down to Tyrone, who I don't think are competent enough to defend the high line, 65 metres. At 13 and 14 men, they had to defend off 40 metres. Uh, 45 metres, which uh, I think you have to be very defensively competent to defend so high. I don't think thrown an are and it forced them back. So even down the man, they defended better. Uh, but ultimately, Galway did what Galway have been doing in the last four or five games. Um, again, I would have been quite critical of my own podcast that there was a lot of ball being kicked in where there was a sweeper and obviously Cobras in there attempted to try it, but ultimately like, to kick six out of six away in the second quarter against Donegal. It made Donegal look a lot better than they had in any other game. Uh, we're lucky to get a draw in the end against Donegal. They've kind of reeled that in since. And, you know, I think they've won nearly every game, maybe bar the league final since. That's how they played the last day. And I think they were going to win that game regardless. The, the, the metrics were all adding up that they were, they were well on top of
0: that stage anyway. Is the biggest positive to take away Barry. Before the game, there was a bit of criticism about Shane Walsh, but it was probably silly, really, in one sense. Um, considering we we are still a bit early in the year, but coming into the All uh, All series now, Shane Walsh's performance is is that the biggest positive you take away from the
2: weekend? Um, <clears throat> is that the biggest? Um, no, um, no, not really. Um, I think. The couple of things I think the form of Peter Cook is hugely important I think he took a while to settle back into it but there were is patients Is that now with...
0: from Peter Cook obviously he was tracking back working really hard and he has been since he came back in but is it contributing on the scoreboard now where we're reaping the rewards of Peter Cook? Um,
2: no no, not really well I, I wouldn't measure everything but by the scoreboard because I thought Damien Comer had a really good game but didn't score um, I think he got a point from play, so you you wouldn't say that that's the the KPI that you'd be looking for for everyone. But I thought he he early doors after he came back into the team, he was working hard, but you could see it was a bit of a struggle for him. You know, just just looking at the game, you know, and that's 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 absolutely fair enough because you come back into senior county football, it's tough, it's it's not easy. Now it's just looking that little bit easier for him. And I made a comparison of the other day. I wouldn't say he's at this level. I I, I think Aiden O'Shea is a really good footballer. But in terms of tackling, he's very, very similar in that he's big, long arms. If he gets hands-on, he's very, very difficult to break a tackle on. And he gets a lot of dispossessions. And he's just it's just looking that little bit easier. And he's looking a little bit more comfortable. I think he's now a really, really important player for us. Um, Paul Conroy, again, just so important around the middle of the pitch. And then we're getting some new players as well. So Ian Burke, really, really good. Um, again, didn't score a huge amount, but was busy in the time that he was there. Discipline maybe cost him cost him a bit, but I thought he was I thought he was really really busy in the first half, and then the form of Kyle Sweeney, Johnny McGrath, with so those new players coming back in. And the biggest positive for me is Conor Gleeson. I thought it was his best game in goal for Galway. I think he probably put to bed any kind of. Um, Do you see him as number one now? Yeah, he's he's number one now. He was excellent. Galway's stats. In terms of short kickouts, long kickouts were really, really good. Um, He was confident in everything that he did and he looked very, very confident. In terms of Shane, he yeah, looked far livelier than he did against Sligo. Played higher up the pitch, you know, and, and this is something that I, I don't have the time to do and probably the willpower to do. But I think if someone tracked the Shane Walsh's touches on the ball between the All-Ireland Final last year and the Tyrone game this year, where he received and where he touched the ball would be very similar. I would say if you tracked his touches against Kerry in the league final against Roscommon and against Sligo, you could be looking at a line 20, 25 metres further back the pitch and he just doesn't do, just doesn't create enough problems when he's that far back because teams are just comfortable with that. But when he's up top or when he's closer to goal like he was on Saturday, he causes problems. His frees were good. Um, he just looked fitter. He looked like he was in better condition. Um and we do know he was sick before the Sligo game, so we will give him a pass at that. But we need more from him. Um, you know, we we need if you look at you know what the top top forwards do on consistent bases, like we need that to go and win in North Ireland, we need that from Shane Walsh. He's he's a top top player. We don't we need him operating at the, the, the highest level from from now till whenever the journey ends. His ability
0: in the first half Barry, I think it was he got away from Michael McKiernan and Michael McKiernan was hanging off him. He he was sticking to him like glue. But Shane just w- in that moment nudged him away, and it was it was a terrific score he got in that first half. But that th- it was it was very spare play as well, just to give that quick nudge. And then I think it was Johnny Heaney who found him then.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, Shane's ability, well, something that I, someone who, uh, w- athletically, wouldn't be very good. But uh, what I really like about Shane Walsh athletically is, yeah, his acceleration is, is like, off the charts, but his deceleration is is unbelievable. And the amount of times, even if you think of the, the game against New in the league final, I think it was a Sam Canlan that was chasing him, where, you know, he he went he burned Sam Canlan, but then he was able to just stop so quick, Sam Canlan flew by him and he kicked it over the bar. And his upper body strength is good too, so if you get in close, he's good at nudging way. So he has... Like the range of stuff this guy has in his locker is is just as I said, it's off the charts, and that was an unbelievable score. But like, can he do the game? You know, can he do the game? Can he can he be consistent over the the period? You know, I think was it Lee Keegan said like that moments of brilliance don't win you don't win big games. You know, you need a consistently consistency over the seventy minutes. If if he can go to his optimum, be involved, be influential like he was in that all ireland final, then there's no stopping him, but but he just needs to do that, I suppose. And the players players around him need to give him the ball. You know, get like you know no point in Barry Cullen being on the pitch who hasn't like you know, Shane Walsh's mobility in his baby toe and me trying to do something with Shane Walsh just standing beside him. Give give him the ball. You know, just give him the ball. It's what it does then is it sucks opposition players out. They like if I'm marking Shane Walsh and we're not giving him the ball, all of a sudden I can say, well, I can step off here. If 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 every time Galway or Shane Walters close by, we're popping him the ball, whoever's on him has to push on him. If they're double-teaming him, they have to push on him, and it creates a little bit more space up the pitch. So it's just important that we, we make sure he's in the game as often as possible as well. Is that
0: what needs to happen, and um, do you feel, Stephen, with Shane Walters? Um, I think...
1: Not just Shane, anybody. You can try and force it too much as well. I suppose everybody has a role in the team and, you know, a position, albeit a lot of the positions are more vague these days. Um, look, I, I think Barry alluded to it there. I mean, Shane Walsh had an incredible All-Ireland final. Um, but, like, nobody has games like that week in, week out. Like, he kicked six points, if I remember correctly, from play. And on average, they were probably less than 50 percenters for... You know, an average, play- an average, uh, an average All Ireland final player. You, you don't have those games every day. Now, I haven't got the data on it because obviously, you know, you, you, you need to be working full time with somebody to be taking every touch. Um, But I suspect just watching him with Kim and with Galway, I'd say take a freeze aside because a lot of the freeze are gimmies from play. I'd say he's done well if he scored 50% of the shots uh, since the All Ireland final last year. Um, now I suspect that's lower than what you know we would normally come out with, but he does look. He does have a habit of hitting low percentage shots. Um, you know, um, he can score them more than other people. And you know, maybe and, and notably for me, I mean, uh, I wouldn't have said he had an exceptional game against Terone. So a decent game, but I mean, his first two plays, the ball, he shot a free that looked outside his range uh, into the keeper's hands and then he shot with wild under pressure three minutes later. So straight away, as an analyst, I would take away, he's, he's got to score two
0: or three, your line break. To, do you not need to take some of those risks when, obviously there's a blanket defence set, and you, you're not encouraging your players, but do you not need to get your players sometimes to take these risks? Again, the
1: answer of the of the professional analyst would be it has to be the right percentage, you know. Um, and for me, look, it depends on various metrics. Like in an ideal world, you'd say you wouldn't want to take less than a 70% shot. Uh, you certainly don't want to be taking anything less than a 50 or 55% shot. Uh, occasionally Shane does even lower, well, again, even lower than 50% for himself. What might be a forty percent shot for somebody else could be a seventy percent shot for Shane. Um, but like now, again as, as a principle, I think Galway. I think the dad has shown Galway are good enough to keep the ball through the hands, even if it takes two, two and a half minutes and get the score. Though no, certainly my uh, analytics wouldn't suggest us trying a wild shot from fifty yards under pressure. Um Now I'm not saying he did that. I'm only saying that on the whole, I thought he was. I thought he was. He was reasonable without having to. That in the back of the up being honest, I really only examined the first 18 minutes of the game when I, mean, I watched it live. Uh, but when I went back going through it with a fine two, you don't know what's the first 18 minutes, which is maybe has those two missed shots more to the forefront of my head. Listen, he's a, he's a raw talent, athleticism is phenomenal on his days. I suppose something I would, I would see uh, again, kind of double up what Barry was saying, like. My experience, I suppose, that I would have had without going into too fine a detail. What I generally see is, you know, Burke and Comer were, you know, if if average was here, Burke and Comer were always up here. it was rarely one of them didn't hit that, you know, really high above average, really high. Whereas Shane Walsh's figures could swim definitely on his days. There was nobody to match them, but there would have been days there as well. And there are days where it goes down. So, uh, is it game dynamics? Is it is it lady look the way it swings? If he tries those six shots, he hit the other of the final again on a bad day. Does he put four wide? I I, I don't know. But I wouldn't be paying too much attention yet. To, you know, the, the the harder the ground and the drier the day, the more Shane Welsh is going to excel. Um, yeah, look, it's he's, he's doing okay, but there's
0: he, he loves himself as well. There's bigger days ahead that he'll be judged on. Barry, just in that opening half goal, after 15 minutes, 5-3 up, then comes Frank Burns, straight red, which there's no arguments really, and he he catches ja- Jack Lynn quite nastily. Then Niall Morgan comes out, possibly goes up for the ball, comes down on uh, Johnny Heaney, then you're thinking, will he get a card for that? But he comes out then. Um Ian Burke commits a foul on one of the Tyrone players, now, Morgan then gets a black card for back chest uh, to the referee. In that period, the goal and go after Tyrone with 13 men, or, because we did really see in this period when Tyrone were 13 men at in the second period of the first half, that they did seem to manage it well.
2: Yeah, they managed it really well, and Peter Hart went in goal, and in reality, it just didn't play with Keeper. Um, you know, so it was to a certain extent they were down one out the pitch. Um, you know, Peter Hart pushed, everyone pushed and got involved. And the ironic thing, I said this to you before Tyrone won all of their long kick, won all of their kickouts with Peter Hart's goal. So every single one, I think he'd four, he was four from four. So he'll be happy enough with his stats, uh, going back on the bus on, on Saturday evening. But yeah, like. You can argue that, that Gawa didn't squeeze, but they were still still went in four points up. Like it was still a, a, a decent a decent lead at half-time. And how much do you squeeze? Like they were they were getting thirteen behind the ball. Um you know, is 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 it much easier play instead of Tyrone having one up top and playing thirteen behind the ball than now just had thirteen behind the ball, you know, and that's still really, really difficult to break down. I would say that, you know, Gawa managed Tyrone Offensively, really well in that period. I don't think Tyrone had any chance um, or, or created goal any any problems in that period. So, just, just whatever way you look at it, there's ways of of maybe being a little bit concerned. Arthur's ways have been really really positive. I think you know, goal managed that particular period of time. I thought relatively okay, and so did Tyrone, but that's fine. I think in the bigger picture, and <clears throat> um, sometimes you know, I'm. Uh, do the, the Goa Bay stuff regularly, and it uh, sometimes question whether you know anything about it at all. But uh, um, then you get these moments where you go, "Geez, do you know what?" Sometimes I I don't talk a lot of bullshit. But uh, yeah. on, a fr- on a Friday evening, I was doing a preview of the game, and I spoke about Tyrone's discipline and how I felt it was going to be a big issue. And then, like I I because because and the reason I said that I thought the discipline in tune in the league was shocking. Um. I don't think that anyone sent off. I don't think that anything too malicious, but just stupid stuff. And I'll give you an example in that game in Tume, I had Conkille Patrick down for seven fouls. Now that's like unheard of, and I, I don't know how he lasted the whole game. His tackling was poor, like silly, silly stuff. He had five fouls on Saturday evening. So like, did he did he not learn that you just can't do that? Then the Nile Morgan thing, stupidity. Like, what? what was, was he, he doing? lucky to get away
0: with one day on Johnny Heaney?
2: Look, if it was Conor Gleeson that came and did it, I and I'd argue that it was he was well within his rights. So I'm not I'm not going to look at okay. that the whole, But the whole thing of like the remonstrating with the ref, like come on, like give it a break. Um, Frank Burns felt sorry for him. I don't think he's that type of player. But like again, stupidity and Con Kilpatrick down five fouled. And then I'll, I'll give you another example and two two kind of con- contradictions in myself. But a ball was kicked into Ian, Ian Burke. Um, I think again it was Parry Campsy. ball kicked in team Burke, he was coming out towards the forty-five, the ball was dribbling along the ground. He went down to pick it up and Parry Parikamsey came in behind him and like took him all free to go. I got a score from it. On the reverse of that, a ball was kicked into Darren McCurry, I think it was in the second half. Kyle Sweeney was marking him, or Darek Canavan, Kyle Sweeney was marking him, and you know, let him get it hands off disciplined in the tackle, took the ball off and up the pitch and we got a score. So I just think if Tyrone are to go anywhere, they've got to sort their discipline out.
0: Just in that first half as well, sorry, was did Dylan McHugh change? Was that a tactical change
2: or was it an injury to him? I know, I saw, I think it was, was it Woolley or someone that, that tweeted about he loved because yeah. he it to Dylan McHugh's man that was sent off, they put on Rob Finerty and took off Dylan McHugh. Dylan McHugh came over to the line beforehand just chatting to the physio in the dark, he had a knock. Um, he 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 definitely because you don't take Dylan McHugh off. Like if that's something you were going to do, you you put someone else, you you do something else because he's just so important to this Galway team. Um, but yeah, but, did it look but, serious? Together. No, it, it, to me it looked like kind of an Achilles calf kind of an issue. But I I would imagine he's okay. Um, um, but he's he's so important to this Galway team and he offers such an attack and threat coming from a deep runner that you, you keep Dylan McHugh on all day and as I said like we haven't heard how Jacqueline is we would be hoping that both of them are, are fit and, and raring to go Yeah it will be interesting to see with Jacqueline
0: um, it probably didn't look too good Poor Joyce said he is hopeful but Jacqueline was going for a scan so I'm sure the results of that will be out in the next few days to, um, to see whether It'll be available for Galway's next game against Westmead, as I mentioned earlier. Stephen, is it fair to say, really, if you're looking at the game as a whole, that Galway... that Galway are really never going to lose that game at at any stage?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, as I say, when you look back retrospectively on the stats, even at the point of the red card, Tyrone were having trouble on the kick-outs, did 1-3, lost 3... Uh, the Galway had been forced long twice, but one of them they were always likely to win. They'd won three, lost one. I, I felt it was probably going to stay that way. Maybe Galway with have 75 to kick out to throw with them 50 that's the way it was looking. As I say, the stats you you'd, you'd go you know, taking out those two peculiar calls. Well, because like I disagree with the David Goff made. Um. You know, they, they didn't expect a score of 6.6 points per 10 phases to Thoreau's 4.7. And for, so if, even at 18 minutes, looking back retrospectively at the data, yeah, it looked to me like a game Galway we were going to win. Uh, and from the time, look, as I say, Thoreau did really, really well to keep it competitive and stay in it, but you still never felt... It's just that they're too well-structured now. Um You know, they're, they're too... They're, it's not even, even five, ten years ago, 14 to be 15, might not have made that much of a difference. I mean, it would make a difference, but it was, games were a lot more helter-skelter now. Peter playing with width and height. It's, it's hard to feel the boy that extra man against a good team. And it just never looked like, oh, we were any less than comfortable, to be honest with you, from... You know, he let's say he, 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 I, I thought Throne did a really good job on the ten minutes of thirteen men. They managed it really well. But second half, you still just never felt that, that I never was any evidence that Throne, unless they were to send a long ball in and get a you know, get a get a goal on a bounce or something. Uh, no, I never felt there was any doubt that the guy were gonna win it. With that uh, as well,
0: Stephen, there were stages in the second half where Tyrone would bring it back to two points, go jet it out to three or four points. It just seemed to really be a pattern of that second half.
1: Yeah, and again, look, there was there was such a high uh, phase of possession of scores as well. I mean, I'm looking here from the rest of the game. I mean, what have we got? Uh, got yeah, look, Galway have scored four point two points per ten phase. It's around four point one from the from the points of the red card. So, it's high, it's high enough scoring. So it wasn't a case that, you know, one team would score and there wouldn't be another score for six or seven phases, that there were scores nearly every second phase. Um, As I say, you know, and I, I also felt any time sprung, go back to two points, the Galway score seemed to come really easy. Uh, they kind of, you know, you got a sense right back down the hatches here, make sure this one, don't take any chances, and up they went. Uh, it did really feel like it was kept them at arm's length um, and that, you know, even if Tyrone had got to go with 20 minutes left maybe to draw level mate you know I still think oh <laughs> I mean, would have won by two or three that's certainly the way it looked Exactly, that season, Barry when there was questions asked up in the second half the, the
0: character is there to
2: take it out yeah, They've done it all year <clears throat> um, look at the look at the Tyrone game in the league where they were well up again Tyrone came back you know one point in it Matthew Tierney comes with a couple of big plays, go and push on and, and get a couple of scores. Look at the Roscommon Common game in the championship. You know, we we're leading at half time. Second, you know, ten minutes into the second half. Was it level or, you know, Ross, they were winning by a point, whatever it is again. Weather the storm, couple of big plays, got the scoreboard ticking over again and, and won and won comfortably. And I could go on. There's been games constantly in this poor choice period where they they you know they, they come under the cash and they just don't go behind and that's a big big thing and it'll be interesting to see at some stage. You know nothing jumps out to me now of a game where Galway are chasing, um, but at some stage Galway will be behind in a game and can they go can they go and claw a lead back and then go and take a win from that? That will be interesting to see, but you no, know, doesn't. It's a real positive trait in this Galway team that when 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 a team gets a period of dominance. Yeah, they get a couple of scores. Yeah, they put Galway under pressure. But Galway respond really, really well. And again, they did it on Sunday, on Saturday evening. But but to me, that, that's not a surprise with this Galway team.
0: Where is that trade coming from? Or how, how do you feel
2: it's being built, Barry? Confidence, you know, experience, really good players. The likes of Paul Conroy there who comes with a big play. Um, You know, they win freeze, their game management is good you know, there's cuteness as well. You know, that they're, they're just they're doing all the right things. Um, you know, and they've they in they're a very, very good team, but they've individual brilliance as well, all the way through the pit. So Sean Kelly will do something, John Daly, Paul Conroy, Shane, Damien, someone will do something that just gets Galway back into the groove of things, gets a free. Matthew Tierney kick a free. Something will happen. That will just get the scoreboard ticking over again. The guy who took the fight to them, Tyrone, um, Tyrone, on Sunday or Saturday evening was Carl Sweeney. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. On
0: that, there would have been a question with Carl Sweeney. He was probably only really seen as maybe a wing back slash wing forward, but to come in at cornerback and play such a significant role, he just fitted in seamlessly.
2: He was outstanding. Everything he did was brilliant. He took the fight to Tyrone. His ability to carry the ball, his pace, his decision making, excellent. Now I gave him gave him man of the match. Obviously Paul Conroy most certainly could have got it as well, but um I've probably given Paul enough of them. So um I, I gave it to Carl Sweeney. I thought he was thought he was really, really good and just looked so, so confident. I would say he's a guy that's gonna have to, he's gonna have to start, you know, and that might mean someone's gonna lose out. You can probably see with
0: Sweeney this year, there's He's been there now for a good few years under Parc choice. There's obviously for him, I'd say, a real hunger to break into this 15 because he has been in and out of stages.
2: Yeah, but what, like, yeah, there's hunger. But, like, if you're a manager, <coughs> you're looking at certain things, right? First and foremost, Carl Sweeney would have been absolutely, he'd have been really disappointed not to start against Roscommon. But yet, didn't let that affect his performances when he's come in. And then when he came in, did really well. Didn't start against Sligo, came in, did really, really well. Didn't start against Tyrone, came in, did really, really well. So the big thing is, that's a a sign of a really good attitude. He's not down tools, he's not, you know, he doesn't have any, he's not sulking. He's just a really good attitude, he's get up and get at it, and like, you you can't buy that. You know, that's that's the stuff that, that makes really good panels and really good teams.
0: Goal, obviously, winning that game out in the end by three points. Stephen, just about this for you, I suppose, because at the minute, if you're asking people from Goal, there's an expectation there, and a lot of supporters will feel that we should and will be there uh, on all-out the final day. Obviously, there's there's, there's a long way to go to that phase yet. But for you and from the different teams you've seen and the statistics that have been built up, do you see Galway
1: being there? Yeah, um, again, I, I wouldn't disagree that, for me, Dublin Kerry, Galway Mayo. I I, I I, think it's hard to see it coming from outside of there at the moment, to be honest with you. Um, what I will say, and it's not to, not to rain in the parade, Galway did get a nice draw to the All of the final last year. Um you know, they didn't beat the top four team to get to the Iron final, so it's not necessarily a case that that's a par of you know, still have to be, uh, uh Kerry or Dublin in championship football, um, in, in this current era. Uh, so that's something that has to be proven. Um, can it be done? I think if Galway played Kerry next Sunday, I think if they stuck with the parameter I've seen in the last three or four games. I would fancy Galway. Um, I definitely think they can be there. I think they're very close. There's obviously little dynamics. Luck look has to go your way. Um, But I think if the four best teams get to the semi-final, it's going to be Dublin, Kerry, Galway, Mayo. If you were to ask me right now, there's a side to me, there is a good to me, nearly as Galway at the top of that. Um, Again, I will make the point. I don't want to labour the point. Uh, Not here, but in general, they, you know, kicking balls into blanket defences hasn't been good business for them. It's not good business for most teams. Kerry, the honor of the final last year against Galway, ironically, was an outlier that it worked for them. I think it would be suicide if they went back to doing a lot of that sort of 10, 12 a game because, on average, they're getting two, three points off them. Uh, where they're getting maybe 5-6 from keeping it through the hands. That's when they face blanket defences. If they keep with that, a point I made recently, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Shane Walsh, Damien Coe and Ian Burke were on the same field certainly at the start of a game since the All-Ireland semi-final in 2018 until a couple of weeks ago. They are three outlandish forwards. I used to make the point that the Dublin front three weren't better than that. In, you know, that I don't think people realise just how outlandishly talented that front three is. Um, I think the tactics are more or less spot on. The defence is statistically the best in Division One this year.
0: And M um, three the best for you in the country. Sorry, and M three the best in the country for you.
1: Um, well, I was at number one, two, three, but as a as a front three combination. Um, yeah, possibly. Look, one of you got O'Callaghan, One of Dublin got these days, Manuel O'Callaghan and take your pick. Kenny, maybe margin. I will say is good. Say more experience, maybe. They're they're they're, they're trying to test it more often. You, you couldn't come and say the front three of Galway are better than that front three, but I, I think in raw ability, there's nothing between them. I think Ian Burke is a unique and special player that no one in the country has somebody like him. Uh, obviously, Clifford O'Shea, Geaney, uh, I'm not. I, I I'm not on the David Clifford bandwagon the same as most of the country are. I think uh, for all his talent, his stats don't always stack up. I think Shane Walsh, even though his stats don't always stack up either, they uh, I think more often than not they do. I'd I I'd, I'd, I'd have Walsh ahead of Clifford personally. I'd have Burke ahead of anybody. Um uh Comer, you know, he's very similar to Con O'Callaghan, maybe Mars O'Callaghan. Yeah, they've savage they're three as good a front three as there is in the country, the defensive stats are outrageous. You look at it structurally when you break it down; it's they're doing things nobody else is doing, trapping teams down the corner, but really effectively. That's come into modern football. You see, Arma Derry really trying to go hard at it, but Galway are doing it more successfully than anybody. Um, so I think they really can be there again. Uh, I, I I still I do uh, one thing I would maybe. Go a different avenue to Barry, I, I still think, I mean, I, one of the things I look at kickouts that like would always have sang Stephen Cluckson's praises because he clipped short ones that nobody else did and they maybe went unnoticed compared to just banging them long. Uh, even, the other, even the last day I felt when you broke it down a few of the ones that were sent long into the melting pot God, we had a 4v3 in the full back line. You know, when you go into the melting pot against Dublin, Stephen Cluckson will hit those Um, if Galway aren't, they're giving away an edge. I think maybe Shane Ryan is more more likely to hit those as well. Um, that's somewhere maybe they're a little bit down compared to the the, some of the top three, four. Um, but on the whole, uh, uh, my good maybe would say Galway are the number of the favourites. But I suppose look, the 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 bookies are rarely too far off the mark. They have Galway marginally behind Mayo with fourth at the moment. It's still untried. It's they still haven't beaten Dublin. they've not beaten Kerry in the Championship since 2018, so it's a whole new model. It's a whole it's, it's half a different team. It's a new model until they've done that. It'd be naive to just call them the favourites, but the, the you know, I, I do think they're really really there. I, I think it's the best chance, God, we have had it in all Ireland in 20 odd years because obviously Dublin aren't as good as they were. Uh, I think the. Kerry, the 2019 version of Kerry, I think was better than the Kerry that won the All-Ireland last year, significantly, to be honest. They just didn't face the Jim Gavin Dublin. Uh, so the field isn't as good. I think Galway are as good and maybe even better than they've been. So there's a real chance, real chance. Um, but I do think it's important to stay on the trajectory to run, which is that more Ulster style, shall we say, where they face blanket defence. The defence, they're prepared to cross over six times before they Get a pop pass into Burke, or get walls to break the line from the outside in, or whatnot. But look, yeah, I, th- I think there's a real serious, real serious chance for sure.
0: What do you think when you hear that
2: uh, of the Galway narrative there from? Uh, yeah, spot on, absolutely. Um, you know, my gut actually is—I my gut—I feel Galway. I think I think it's going to take a serious team to beat them. You know their manager. So you know a point was made to me t- yesterday that how would Gallery react if to get involved in a game like Mayo and Kerry on Saturday evening where it's up and down the pitch, it's open, it's helter skelter. Gower won't let that. They just won't let that develop and. They have just a system now that manages games really well. And I think Steven spot on when he said, like we, we do play a northern style football and we're patient, you know, defensively, very, very sound. We break a pace. We have some top players up top. I think we have everything that that we need. I th- I think we might need a little bit more punch from the middle of the pitch. That's why like I would be a huge fan of John Maher. I think he's done so, so well for us. I think he adds so much. He's just he's a really good fella as well. But I could see a change coming. I could see Killian going back to the middle of the pitch to give a bit more punch there, and Kyle Sweeney then fill backfilling that seventh spot. That might happen. These guys see them train on Tuesday, Thursday at the weekend. They could turn around and say, if if someone was on here I said that's an absolutely ludicrous call. But I just think just might need a runner in the middle of the pitch or a bit more of an aggressive runner in the middle of the pitch, and that might be what what Killian will offer. But I think overall we're we're in a really really good spot. Um other teams will feel the same, may all be on a real bounce after the weekend. Kerry will come good, you know, they're still to the top team. Uh Dublin, you know, I think they are if we if if we can if we can put our mat to the sword comfortably. You know I'm more comfortably I don't mean that we're going to beat them ten or eleven points, but comfortably as in like Saturday evening, where as you said earlier on, we never look like losing. If we can do that, I think we're 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 in a right, right good chance. And uh I, I, I just hope that we've a, a long summer ahead.
0: Yeah that that that's it exactly and it's Westmead next up for Guy and then Irma to finish. Um just before we do finish, lads Barry Doll Island series is so far there's there's obviously a narrative straight away of why is
2: there three teams coming out of a four-team group? But so far, how how do you think it's went? Yeah, I think I think Sligo and Kildare. I think Sligo probably gave it a, a, the kick that it needs as well, and just that maybe maybe it isn't going to be as much of a foregone conclusion as as we thought. I think Cork and Lowe, There's lots of big, really really important games, and the top teams will want to top the group. Um, you know, it looks like my own. I will probably top their group, and that's that's a big advantage because. You know, you have a weekend off. It's a weekend less of trying to avoid injuries. Uh, you can re- recover. There's loads of positives from from topping your group, so that's that's really important. Um, you know, it's it's what we look for to a certain extent. You know, we look for the top teams playing each other week in week out. Um, I think it's really. I think the structure is. Excuse me. I think it's 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 a very good structure. I think it's a very good competition. I would have an issue with three teams coming out. I think it should be top teams straight through um, and they play they play whoever comes second. I just think that, uh, yeah, everyone will be going for every game, but there just needs to be a little bit more consequences if, if, if you lose a game. Now, that might lead to dead rubbers. I, I don't know. I haven't given it enough thought, but I definitely think we need to lose more teams in this phase of the competition.
1: Yeah, and if I can come in on that, that's something I have given a good bit of thought to. I mean, something I find the GEA and maybe the Irish people in general, the GEA viewers, I think we get very reactive to signal events that don't go well. And we had two Super 8s and both years there was a dead rubber in Dublin's group at the end, but there were two issues. Number one, there were only two groups. So when you had a dead rubber, it was kind of bigger news than it would be with four groups. Number two, you had Dublin were likely to win all before them. Uh, it, it just take... I mean, if Kerry... If, if, Kerry, if there only two teams going through now, that group is so interesting. Kerry, you know, they have to go and beat Cork. They have to go and beat Loud. Um, and I think they could have avoided... With four groups, I think, if one of them had a dead rubber at the end, uh, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It's statistically unlikely to get a dead rubber in 50% of groups as we've gotten the Super 8s it's more likely to be 20, 25% at most. And you could have reduced that further um, by if you did an ELO ranking, of, you know, a genuine ELO ranking, which would look as well, that would like the bookies odds uh, for a championship when you put the top two teams in each group playing first. Uh, and if you put score differences in a ahead to head, you could reduce the chances of a dead rubber at the end of a, of a group to less than 10%. I think, I think it was a really poor decision and I do think it does take away from the excitement that would be there if if we had. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking our match for here. They'll probably both go through. It just, you know, the difference that game would be if it was two going through. Um, so I, I think it's a big own goal there, uh, and I think it is something when they look at it, they'll probably change next year. For sure, man. It's very much a
0: case. That I have. I do here is seeing how this does play out. It is year one, and hopefully, if, if it doesn't work out, that um, alterations can be made to this, um, and they can get the most out of this whole series because there's some cracking games to look forward to over the next few weeks. But that's all uh, we have time for on our show for today. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks to Barry and Stephen for coming on. The Backdoor GA Podcast for 2023 is now brought to you by Steed Motor Group. For your personalised vehicle shopping experience, visit stevemotorgroup.ie. We are now delighted to announce our second sponsor of the podcast. Harper Finley, our professional service recruitment company operating nationwide and are dedicated to helping people find their dream job.